I'm just testing. Are you? I'm going to stop testing now and play back and then I'll start recording. Okay. Is it working? Not yet. Ta-da! It works. Uh, I'm just testing. I'm going to stop testing now and play back and then I'll start recording. Okay. Works then. to do now is this is going to be um a no a weirdly noise weirdly noise a weirdly noise weirdly noise because i'm getting myself settled around the virtual campfire which uh is definitely our kitchen table and totally not in our trousers our kitchen table definitely not in our trousers trousers <laughs> <laughs> how dare you with your trousers okay hang on right there we are i'm fighting for their freedom hey and you're taking away my trousers <laughs> I wanted to paint my Spitfire yellow. He says I'm not allowed. Not allowed. <laughs> oh, I got some really nice trousers in Camden. Anyway, um, yeah, all hardcore with pockets and shit. With all pockets and shit, yes. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm gonna have to keep really, really still. Because if I move, even slightly, yeah, I make rustling noises. Yeah. And that's going to be like really upsetting. Possibly. So while I'm talking, yeah, I'm going to have to keep very, very still. I may get away with breathing. Their vision is based on movement. Which indeed. Mm. You did. You did put the glass of water on the dashboard, didn't you? Because that's important. I think I did. It's an yeah. important early warning mechanism. I know. Yeah. So I should say I'm using a different recording mechanism today. Ooh. Ooh. The claw. The claw. Because I have a different phone. Cordor. Cordor. The Thane of Cordor. What else could you do? Right. Back, back Throw it the window with a piano. Well, I'm just thinking of the controls on my spaceship in Elite Dangerous. Move the piano from it's... one room to another for five, for five pounds. pounds. Five pounds? This is money for old rope. Is it? I would have thought you would have bought something more useful. No, I have simple tastes. Have a gorilla. <laughs> They're much milder. <laughs> no, thank you. I only smoke baboons. <gasps> Welcome to Baboon, baboon show! show! It's not the Baboon Show. <laughs> Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome around the virtual campfire while Kate's laughing. I can get the introduction started. Oh, and that goes for you two idiots with your eyes shut behind the sheet of glass. <laughs> Sorry. I could still see you. <laughs> you fool, you can't see us Yes I can, get out or I call the police I'm sorry 
Carry on. No, you're not. Not at all. There is not an ounce of sorry in there. I'm four minutes in, four and a quarter minutes into this recording, and all I've done so far is quote the Goon Show and talk about Elite Dangerous. I was going to say upgrade, downgrade, side grade. You could do left grade, right grade, or you could do forward grade or backwards grade. Retrograde. Very nice. Mm. Very nice. That was it. That was my moment of clever for the week. Don't waste it. That was glory. (laughs) Don't waste it. That was glory. Okay. Lovely listeners, welcome around the virtual campfire. You have gathered. We are your boner hosts. (laughs) I'm Julian. This is my friend Sandy. No. No? Okay. I'm Suzanne Martin. And I'm Kate and I'm just a passing idiot. I don't think I've got to come back for that. <laughs> Sorry. It doesn't need to be. <laughs> I used to pull my clever on the good one. I mean, you could have said something like, oh, no, dear, you're definitely not an idiot, but don't trouble yourself. I won't. Thank you. <laughs> did you want to actually talk about something Possibly. He- heathen <laughs> I did. Welcome around the virtual campfire, lovely listeners, to episode 57. 57? Of Frithcast. Welcome aboard. All aboard. Please ding, keep ding. your trays inside the carriage at all times and put your legs in the upright position. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we have our theme music. <laughs> Just there. Okay. She's going to wipe that out in the edit. You bet you wait and see. Yeah, you just watch me. I have editorial control. Yeah. All I just have editorial, to be honest. Whether it's control or not <laughs> is a different matter entirely. So what are we talking about today? Well, today, there's always seemed to me... Uh, let me rewind this a little bit. Yeah, there we go. So, what I thought we'd have a chat about is that you and I are living in a 21st century world. We are so living, they say. We are living with certain technologies and technological advances. I'm living people... in a material world. And I'm a material girl. <laughs> <sighs> that corset. No, oh, sorry. Corset. I mean, you could have just pinned things you to could. a wall with you that. You could. But uh, in you, any case, we are know, living in a... <laughs> put parts of it through a pencil sharpener you get points on it like that. I mean, it doesn't shape just, like that. Just, just, the skin doesn't fit. Just, just, what? 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 We're living in a 21st century world. And I there am a material girl. There is stuff. There is stuff. There is stuff that we have now mm-hmm. that the original Scandinavian peoples of the 10th century did not have in the same quantities. We have a different appreciation of wealth. That's true. They didn't have as many smartphones. They didn't have as many smartphones. They did not. And double glazing was not a thing. True. Central heating. True, true. Cars, driving licences, taxes. You can name a whole shed load of stuff that we have to deal with now. Oh, I think they probably had taxes, did they not? They, yeah, kind of, but not quite in the same way. Eh. It wasn't quite for things like road upkeep and rubbish collection. No, no, granted, it, it was. It was for, for. It was for for for. Um, uh, it was for paying for the local law <clears throat> to not chop your head off. Yeah, you know. Which that you kind know, of I suppose it's. Yeah. Yeah, we have a higher rate of literacy. We do. We have. I mean, we do. A larger understanding of human bodies and medical needs, so we can now do things like set broken bones. Mm. We can take photographs of the inside of a body without exposing it to the air first. Which is good. Which is good. 
because then you're able to fix it with doing the minimum amount of additional harm that you can. Yeah. Or, on the other hand, <clears throat> increased knowledge of the human body has helped to make us even more efficient killers than the ancient Norse were. Technically, yes. I say ancient Norse, you know what I mean, the yeah, old yeah. Norse. Old, uh, Norse, yeah, mm. a thousand years ago. So what I'm trying to start thinking about in this episode is looking at the world that they had then, the values that they held, the stuff, the material culture that they had, the society that they held to. Okay. That is a lot different to the society that we have now, yeah. in some respects. Some very simple respects. We have clean water. Yeah. We have things like state-provided education, which I mean, educates the majority of children up to certain levels which they are expected to reach by certain ages, which is how the system works in the UK. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I mean, we have to... We have to uh, acknowledge the fact that we are looking at this from a 2019 UK perspective. Yes. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily going to tie in precisely with how situations people might in be... Colorado, in Hong Kong, in Spain, in Australia, in New Zealand. Hello, we can Hello, see you there. <laughs> Come on around the virtual campfire. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> All of these places may have different educational systems. Mm. Um, but things like that are the things that we have now and that we understand that we have access to now mm. that they didn't have. Yeah. So my question that I started pondering a few weeks ago, and it's a biggie, okay. is what does my best heathen life look like? In terms of? In terms of uh, maybe a small thing to start with, in terms of where I bank, where I put my wages and my money, my wealth, where do I choose to put that that is ethical? We know the Scandinavians have got an ethical perspective that we can't replicate in this culture, mm. in this time and place. We can't fully replicate that because we don't have uh, that culture going over a large geographical area yeah we've so we can try and barter with the people in the market but they might not take what we want to barter well if the people in the market are tesco or sainsbury's or whatever the supermarkets are available um they take shiny money or they take a piece of plastic yeah but they probably won't take me walking in there with three bags of wool and trying to swap it for two fish (laughs) ain't gonna happen it's it comes down to to two th- in terms of um, making a comparison with Old Norse ethics mm. or Northern European ethics of that period, we have to acknowledge two things. And that is, first of all, we don't necessarily have a full understanding of... No, we don't. ...historically of how they would have <coughs> yeah. thought about things. I mean, we Social have... Social intricacies are incredibly complex. Yeah, and we have, we have uh, some understanding from what's yeah. written down. We have some understanding of, of, of the stories that have come down and the, and the, the, the legends and the yeah. uh, whatever that have come down to us. We don't actually know whether that's how people behaved. No. We have them written down, but people might have looked at them and gone, yeah, we don't do that. Yeah. We just wrote it down because it was funny. Yeah. We don't have a guarantee between a, um, a positive correlation between what is written down and what we have and what they actually did in practice mm. day to day. What were the exceptions to the rules? Yes. 
their ethics around hospitality and guest right, they would always open their door to a stranger, mm. purely, you know, because they travelled far. They would give them hospitality. But, but then again... Then do you give hospitality to a raiding war band? It's a <laughs> well, yeah. different kind of ethics when you're dealing with that. Also, we have to consider, and I, I appreciate I'm on, I'm, I'm on thin ice here, um, who wrote the Havamal? Yeah. Because we've got this, we have this text which shows us, you know, a surprisingly, what I would call a surprisingly sophisticated yeah, social uh, system. So, social <laughs> system, and when I say surprisingly, I'm not trying to be disparaging, but I'm saying the, 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 the sort of stereotypical image of you know the quote unquote Viking. Yeah. Um, is this you know the burly warrior type swilling mead and you know chopping people's heads off? And I've got a bit of a thing for chopping people's heads off tonight. I, <laughs> I don't know why that is. Lovely listener, don't worry. I will. Uh, I lovely listeners, I will keep her contained. It's fine. <laughs> She's but, just going to take some nice big deep breaths and sit in the corner for a while after this. It's okay. So we look at the Havamal and we think, well, I mean, I, I thought when you first showed it to me and I'm, I'm like, that that's kind of taken me off guard because it's it, that was not the impression I always had. Yeah. And it was only when I started learning through modern heathenry, I started learning about the, you know, the way they, they apparently really did things based on this. But, mm. but then again, <clears throat> you have, you no have to ask yourself, how many people ever read that? Yeah. Did they read that? Did anyone read that? Did was they that... that as an absolute so social code of conduct or did they just have it as a curio document that happened to be was it, saved? Was it one guy's written sort of written manifesto of how it would be nice if society would behave like this? Yeah. Can't tell. It's like... Um, <laughs> Can't tell any of that. No, it's like the, it's like the ancient Greek dialogues. Mm. You know, mm. I mean... People, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going off at a bit of a tangent, I know, but... No. Well, it happens from time well, to time. Don't do that, surely. <laughs> but when you consider, I mean, the, 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 the length of time that people have believed, to some extent, in Atlantis. Yes. Because it was written down, because there, were, there are Greek records showing people discussing Atlantis, yeah. describing it talking about the people who lived there, talking about the, the, the fact that gold was quite common there, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so clearly we have a historical record saying there was <clears throat> that a place existed. called Atlantis. Yeah. But it didn't. It was part of a almost, if you say, dramatised. Yeah. You know, it was a fictionalised dialogue between two characters and the idea was to to be able to express different ideas and pull them apart and look at them from different angles, all that mm -hmm. kind of thing. In the form of this, almost a performance. Yeah. Um, but because it was written down as somebody saying, oh, I, well, I went off. I mean, I've, I confess I've never read it directly, but, you know. It's, it's, Greek, it's all the funny angles and letter <laughs> shapes. Triangles. What is it with you and the triangles? Your answer to everything <laughs> is triangles. triangles. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, to undermine the Havamal and say it, it, it obviously, you know, it wasn't real or it wasn't... No. I mean, it may be, it may have been very common rules that somebody, like with the um, the meditations of Marcus Aurelius. That just wrote down. You know, he wrote down, what he wrote down there was his interpretation, his compilation, if you like, of some of the principles of Stoicism. Yes. And it may well be the Havamal was the same thing. Yes, it was one guy that sat down and wrote it down, perhaps, 
but it might have been that he was reflecting what society at the so we we just the point is we just don't know we don't but it's a certainty that the Havamal rep, uh, reflects a society that is very different to our own in yes. terms of material culture, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, we generally don't have a fire in the middle of our floor. Not normally. Unless it's a very bad thing. Yeah. Um, because we don't have a fireplace. No. Um, <clears throat> we don't have a fireplace. If there's a fire in the middle of our floor... Yeah, then we've got a problem. We're in the shit. Yes. But for a Viking longhouse, having a fire in the centre of the floor mm. was an absolutely perfectly acceptable thing. Yeah. Keep the whole house warm. And it does make good sense. It does. Um, so it's it describes a very, very different culture. Mm. So the culture that it describes and being modern heathens, if we're taking our cues for faith, if we're rooting our understanding of the beginning of the understanding of that divine in those accounts, in the sagas, in the myth cycle, in the Havamal, for how we treat people, how we behave. But our modern society isn't like that society. No. So how do we, as 21st century heathens, apply... Can, do we draw a line? Do we say, well, some ethics of the past we keep, some ethics of the past we discard... Some verses in the Havamal we don't attach as much weight to because our society has now changed. Mm-hmm. If I sort of sit and ponder to myself, what does my best heathen life look like? What does it look like? I have a duty of care as a heathen to be mindful of the land spirits. And if I take that externally, I'm not just looking at the land spirits that live in my backyard the ones that live in the fields and the woods and the trees as I walk to work, Mm -hmm. but the land spirits, you know, for miles. Yeah. What do I do in my daily life, in my weekly life, in my monthly life, in my yearly life to help care for them? Mm. What do I do in terms of being mindful of Yod, being mindful of the earth? Yeah. If I am living on this earth, if I am living in this world what are the ethics that i can pull from my faith and where do they come from Mm. it's going to be huge Mm. it's not something that we have a huge you know you know our episodes are quite short yeah yeah so we're just going to kind of give you some pointers and see where they take you think about the things that you have in your life Mm. if you're thinking well as a base step i should be mindful of the land spirits what are the things that you can do to help look after that? Mm. To help give them a slightly better day than they had yesterday? Is it the fact that you're going to go on a litter pick? Is it the fact that you're going to use the car for one less journey? Yeah. If you can. Using transport in the modern age like cars is almost fundamental to our way of life. We generally live a lot further away from where we work than from a Scandinavian 10th century person who had his workshop in the next room. Yeah. It's it's a little bit like shoes. <clears throat> yeah. We have to wear shoes. We do. Because we invented shoes. We did. <laughs> so, not as personally lovely listeners. <clears throat> not not personally. No. But you find in, in um certain areas of the world where in, in certain cultures where it's it is the 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 social habit to, to be barefoot. Yes. And 
they don't generally need to wear shoes because they're used to walking barefoot. Yeah. Plus is the fact they don't have, you know, some of the necessarily the, the, the hazards that we might have lying around on the street around here. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, they have other hazards of their own, I'm sure. But we might, had we never invented shoes, we might find that we didn't need shoes because we'd be adapted to walking barefoot. But we invented yes. shoes, started wearing shoes, so our feet got soft. So now we need shoes because... We our soft feet. And it's a little bit the yeah. same way. It's It's kind of like kind of similar in terms of transport we've developed these machines to get us efficiently from place to place over distance yeah. which means that you don't have to live in the in the house next to your workshop anymore yes which means that a lot of people have got jobs further and further away from home yeah. which means that you now have to use transport to get to those jobs to get to those jobs yeah, so, it's, so it's it's kind of the one feeds the other and you end up in a circle yeah it's it's kind of like the pockets handbag debate yes it's that. Yeah. It ties itself very neatly into a loop. Like when I when I started wearing girl clothes. Yes. And everybody said, oh, no, you can't put things in your pockets. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't put things in my pockets? Most, most things. Yet. Don't do it. Do not put things in your pockets. A lot of things. A lot of, a lot of the clothes I was buying didn't even have pockets. And then when I do buy pockets, I've got like jeans on or whatever. And I've got pockets. I'm not allowed to put things in them because women don't put things in their jeans pocket because they've got a handbag. Well, They've got a handbag because somebody's told them they're not allowed to put things in their pockets. Now you're getting it. Yeah. That's... Which they don't do because they've got a handbag. Yeah. Which they have to use because they're not allowed to put things in their pocket. It just goes round and round and round. All of it, this has happened before. All of this will happen again. Always. Yes. <laughs> so, I'm not saying, you know, change everything in your life all at once. No. Living your best heathen life is constantly modifying those ethics and those principles that you hold to personally. Yeah. And I, we can't tell you how to heathen. We can't <laughs> tell you what your best heathen life looks like. There's no way we can do it. No, but we can We can look at a couple of the things yeah. and, 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 and sort of we say, well... We can throw you some suggestions out. You know, it's like with, as you say, you're talking about with the land spirits and so forth. I mean, I would I would equate that in my, in my rather sort of um, uh, straightforward way. I would I would be looking at, well... If the land spirits are invested in the land, yes, and that that would equate then to if I, um, if I act as a, um, what's the word, custodian of the land, yeah, steward, um, yeah, that goes into modern modern ideas about you know looking after the environment and, and all that kind of yeah. thing. So there's all manner of things that it does. It you touches can... on things like recycling. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking at your food consumption, mm -hmm. looking at your material culture consumption yeah. and where it goes when you've finished with it. Yeah. Where, you know, what right down to things like the paint that you buy for your house, what kind of effect does it have on the atmosphere? Mm. And it's suddenly that one simple question of what does your best heathen life look like ends up a lot bigger mm. and it ends up quite complicated. What happens to your clothes after you've finished with them? Where do you take them? Do you try and recycle some of them? Do you hand them to a charity shop, a goodwill? Do you try and use the material for something else? Mm. You know, how often Dis do you... Dismantle them and make yeah, new things out of them. do you make new things out of mm. them? Do you make bags out of them? Do you make something else out of the, the material that you have? Mm. Mm. 
Do you, where do those clothes get made? How far have they traveled to get to you? Where are you choosing to ethically source those clothes from? Yeah. And it can, it can go into the nth degree in terms of the, the, the detail. And yeah. there's probably, we should probably say, cause there's, there's a, there's a risk with talking about this kind of thing. I mean, most people who's li- who are listening to this will, will know all these questions in terms of, in environmental terms. And they'll say, well, you know, this is all familiar stuff, but it's, yeah. There is a there is a tendency because, and I would say this is the same for, for for any reconstructive religion or spirituality or whatever. There is a desire to want to authenticate, I yes. think, yeah. the faith or the lifestyle that you're following by making it echo, at least echo, yeah, or reflect the, what the was. original yeah. society. Now, obviously, we're, we're going to be limited as to what we can know, and I, I I say this from the point of view of somebody who has a foot in two camps because I've spent a lot of my life with an affinity for Roman religion. Yeah. Or or at least a, a modern-day echo of Roman religion. Yes. And also I have a, a strong pull towards the Druidic. Mm. Um, both of these are were originally ancient religious practices that I know next to nothing about. Yes. There is enough there for, to sort of pull... <clears throat> so I'm sort of, well, I could, I could, I could look at it and say, well... In order to be doing it right, I've got to know all these details. And there are people who, I mean, in, in Roman Reconstructionism, there are people, societies that, absolutely that want to it. absolutely make sure they get all yeah. the right wording, all the right ritual, all the right everything. Whereas for me, it's much more sort of your seat of the pants almost. It's it's like it's, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I guess it I, depends on how you how you view and develop your own faith. Yeah. Also, then feeds into the ethics that you want to employ in your own life. It does. That's right. I mean, you you said um, earlier on about we not we don't necessarily adopt all the, the the ethics. I mean, I would say the same thing from the point of view of the Druids. I wouldn't want to sacrifice someone. No. From the point of view of the Romans, I wouldn't want to keep slaves. Mm. You know, all that sort of thing. So there are some things that we automatically, because of the the, the, the ethical structure of the society we live in, that we automatically dismiss. Yes. So the question for me is. You know, to what extent do we have to be precise? Precise, living your best heathen life. Is it necessary to to you know what what is what is what is being a heathen? Oh, you're asking <laughs> the big ones. Okay, lovely listeners, that discussion's going to take a while. Yeah. And yeah, could you not have just you know asked me an easy one? I mean, okay. <laughs> that, that was quite difficult. That's kind of huge. But yeah, ethics. In the 21st century, Mm. for me as a heathen, I am mindful of not only that I can try and walk to work Mm -hmm. or I can try and catch public transport. If I can, sometimes using a car is unavoidable and I'm not saying, you know, park the car up and never use it again because some people have to and that's okay. It's just being mindful of how that contributes to what's going on. Yeah. You know, is are there ways that I can spend my time in stewardship of the land that I see? Hmm. In a wider consideration, what are the things, some of the things I can do in my own lifestyle to help not damage yeah. things? You know, it's, it's not only a, a social ethic of how I treat people, mm-hmm. it's also practical ethics you know, looking at recycling, looking at upcycling, looking at getting things 
to people who might need them who might not be able to pay an awful lot. Mm. Looking at using charity shops to donate things to so they've got a second life. Yeah. After what I use them for, if I decide I get to the end of something and I want to give it away, making sure it goes somewhere where it can be still useful. Yeah. That's a way of me minimising the impact that I have on the environment, on the land. Is there time in my day to look at spiritual practice? Mm. Can I use my walk to work, to pray? Yeah. Can I use it to do a walking meditation where I'm looking very closely at the here and now and being present, being fully present on that walk, mm. looking at the grass, looking at the trees, looking at the the moment. It's, it's April. So here the hawthorn is out, fully out in flower, yeah. for ready for early May. There are things like bluebells. The daffodils are just coming to an end, but the bluebells are still going. The birds are mostly doing bird chorus riots about 4am here at the moment. So it's kind of like... There's one! Yeah. I was going to say this earlier on. There's one up in the corner eve of the house. There is. There's a starling family currently inhabiting our eaves. Yeah. Because that sounds exactly like... I don't want to mention the elite again. Yeah. Right? But when you spin up the frameshift drive to make an interstellar jump, but you're not at full throttle. Okay. It does this like little like scratchy alert noise to say okay the frame shift's ready to go full throttle and it'll activate it right and it does this kind of kind of chirpy noise like an alarm okay to say it's ready but you're not at full throttle yet that bird sounds just like that alarm (laughs) i actually woke up this morning trying to work out where where i was supposed to be jumping to But it's things like that that are going on here at the moment. So on my walk into work, can I use that as a form of being spiritually present? Mm. Can I watch the birds and try and identify the species? Can I look at the trees and try and identify the species? Yeah. Can I notice, be absolutely focused on the plants and the path underneath my feet? Mm. What does the soil look like? What does the air feel like? Is there dew on the ground? Does it feel like it's going to rain? All of those things tie into being very, very present in that environment. And, and this is all... walking across the earth. And this is all only from the initial question you asked or the initial area of focus that you defined, which is looking at your... What does the, your, your best relationship with life the, look like? That, yeah. specifically your relationship <laughs> with the land spirits. This has all come from that. Yes. I mean, this is before we start looking at your interaction with the rest of your society. Yeah. With the community around you. With your, my ancestors. Yeah. My families, the people I share my time with through a week. So all of those connections are additional to this. Mm. But being able to spend that time walking to work... I can use it mindfully. I can use it to be present. Mm. I can use it to notice what's going on in nature. Even if I take a bus to work, I can still look out the window and notice what's going on in nature. Even, you know, taking, getting a lift down to work, I can still be present and see what's happening. I bite at a lot faster speed. But I can still see what's happening and being present instead of thinking about other things, I can use that as spiritual time. Mm. I'm not saying I'm living my best heathen life. I think that that little question 
is probably going to take me at least the better part of the next decade to figure out. Well, I say that's that that's we're we're looking just at one specific yeah element of it, and that's that's what's that's what's so interesting. It's it's the 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 fact that it is going to always keep you thinking. Yeah. There's always going to be something else that you can be considering, and just and, even and, making and little about. tiny changes. Thinking right, where am I right now? What is my best heathen life? Mm. What are the steps that I can take to get me from where I am now to where what that best heathen life looks like? Mm. And it might be that you want to make some big radical changes. It might be that you just want to make small changes. Mm. You want to change your washing up liquid to an eco-friendly one. Yeah. You might want to change your washing powder to an eco-friendly one. Yeah. You might want to think, well, maybe I can look at how much packaging there is on my food and how much of that I can recycle. Mm. It might be that you choose not to drink from single-use water bottles and take a, um, like a personal water bottle and just refill it. Mm. it. There might be little things that you can do, you know, using a, your own coffee mug mm. to take to a coffee shop. If you get a coffee on the way to work every morning and you're using a disposable cup, could you look at getting... Uh, a hot drink holder and taking that with you and just saying can you just put it in that for me Mm -hmm. are the ways that you can adapt that you can be mindful that you can alter and yeah I'm still thinking I'm going to be thinking for a very very long time on what my best teeth in life looks like and that as I go through will change and this is just literally the environmental aspects of it yeah and this is like I said this is without we start without starting to consider you know your your personal interactions with people in your society. Yes. Um, your attitudes to, I mean, think think about the the, the other things that we tradition. You know, old the old Norse, the old heathens are famous for in our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 look back on them as warriors. Okay, so what's yeah. our attitude to war in the twenty first century? Yeah. You know, conflict has changed its face to such an extent now. Can we? maintain the same ethical attitude towards conflict than we used to. I mean, if I if I say, okay, well, I subscribe to a form of Roman paganism, looking back at Roman culture, they were extremely martial. Incredibly you know, territorially aggressive. They almost. were very, very aggressive. They yeah. were very, they, they glorified war and the yeah. military. Not just as, as we do because the military are our defenders. And they, and with the, with the, with the, the honour and the respect that comes of that is due somebody who is willing to, to, to use the old quote to stand on a wall. Yeah, um, but it might be that our military now goes and digs wells. Yeah. Well, or this institutes is what... medical programmes or does research yeah. somewhere. This is what I'm saying. It's just engaged in the theatre of war. Yeah, this is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like now it's, it's different. The attitudes are different. Mm. The technologies are different. The strategies are different. Yeah. The threats are different. Yes. You know, much what was in now. in the time of the Romans, all-out war was something you could glorify. You know, yes, people would die, but ultimately everything would, you know, would sort of carry on. Now all-out war has the potential to be an existential threat to every living human being. Yeah. So you have to, you know, I would I would say there's 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 also questions to be asked in these areas as well. You know, what is what is your attitude to this sort of thing now? Yeah. What does what heathenism is, demand? What is your best heathen life mm. in with regards to conflict mm. and conflict resolution? Yeah, the sagas often see 
the Vikings, the Scandinavian men especially, looking at compromise. Mm. Because they didn't want conflict. Okay. They looked at compromise and they looked at talking to each other. And they looked at not necessarily getting on, yeah. but at least getting to the point where they could still have a dialogue. So, you know, they actually, your best they actually, heathen life being a negotiator. Yeah. Or somebody who's skilled in conflict resolution. Mm. Or a facilitator for, you know, people coming to marriage therapy. Mm. Is that your best heathen life? Is your best heathen life, does it involve being a good parent? Mm. Does it involve helping support heathens who are in prison? Yeah. Does it involve celebrating your own faith but what are the other elements and aspects i mentioned right at the beginning things like ethical banking yeah we have banks now we don't dig a hole in the floor and put a chest of goods in it and save it there because we have a whole different strategy of of do wealth we, and do we not no you need to go back and find the floorboards again hon. okay yeah I'll get the shovel out good plan looking at what your bank invests that money in yes and where it goes, what projects it supports. Mm. Is it important to you as a heathen with 21st century ethics to find a bank that is ethical? Yeah. To find a bank, you know, is it paying interest that's important to you as a heathen? Mm. Is it not? These are questions I can't answer for you. Mm. These are questions that I've had to wrestle with on my own and well, figure things out. They're things, they're things that, you know, you might choose to consider. Yeah. Yeah, heathenism and, you know, my own paganism are not, like I said, they, they, they have echoes of what is in the past. Yes. But they are still... Rooted modern, in the here and now. They are still modern, living, relevant yeah, faiths, this spiritual practices, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. They are real. They are in the, in the real modern world and they have to be... And, and to what extent do you take the ethics from the past and overlay them over the life that we have now. Mm. Where does that line draw for you? As a, a heathen, as a new heathen, as somebody that's oh, fairly au fait with stuff, as somebody who's been walking this path for decades, where do your ethics take you? Mm. What ethics have you decided are important to you mm. from the practices that we know from 10th century Scandinavia? Do you have a mix of those and 21st century ethics. Yeah. Do you prefer one ethic over the other, one set of ethics over the other, when you're coming to different situations? Mm. Do you say, well, I'm going to try and live self-sufficiently, but if I need a hospital, one would blooming well better be there. Yeah. Because that's the situation I'm in. I'm not going to take my broken limb down to the blacksmith and get them to mend it. Not these days. <clears throat> not these days. It's a little so bit... It's, it's kind of... It's a deceptive question, not in the fact that it's a trick question, but in the fact that it covers a lot. Yeah. And it covers an awful lot of points. You can, for me, I'm starting to apply that into different areas in my life. Hmm. What do I do if I have a sort out of my bookcases? Where do I take the books that I want to pass on? Yeah. You and I, we'll often take them to the local library but we could easily take them to a charity shop or put them online and say, free books, come get them. Yeah. So long as I'm making sure that those are useful and they're passed on and they're helping to enrich the society of which I'm contributing to and a part of. Yeah. Some would argue sell them. 
Yes. Um, yeah. you know, I could choose to do that. It's it's generally our choice not to, not because we, you know, not just just simply because it. I don't know. It just it, it's not something that's a necessity for us right now. Yeah. And it might come to the point where it is, but I mean, right we now all, we, we have, can always use more money. Let's face it. But yeah. <laughs> but right now we have a luxury of choice. Yeah. So. I would put to you, lovely listeners, that there might be some areas of your life where you don't have a luxury of choice. Mm. And there might be some areas where you can choose. Mm. What does your personal best heathen life look like? What are some of the things where you think, oh yeah, I could make that little change. And change a little bit. Mm. And then, once you've had the confidence to change a little bit and you've got that settled... What is your next step towards living your best heathen life? What does it look like? Do you need more time for spiritual practices? Do you want more time for community, for prayer, for ritual? And each of us have got the same amount of time. Mm. So looking at it, you know, very specifically. That is is to say. Where do you put that? You know, we've all got the same amount of hours in a day. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, overall, our allocation of time may differ, but... Slightly. We can't know about that. No, you we know, in most cases, cannot. It's, uh, that's one of the big the big unknowns, but... I in think terms it, of hours in a day or hours in a week, yeah. if you want, you value your spiritual time spent either in ritual or in prayer or in thanks or in mindful walking, whatever it is, do you want more of that in your life? And if so, what are you going to move around... To make sure you get it. Mm. It's one of the. It, it actually ties in quite nicely to a, a, a discussion I remember having a little while ago with with somebody who was a little bit more serious about their. I say serious about a little bit more committed to uh, replicating ancient Roman practice in the modern world. Mm. And uh, you know, each, each to their own. More more power to them. I say. I'm. I'm it's not something I think I could do myself because I'm not organised enough, I'm not dedicated enough, I'm not, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a slovent, basically. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It came down to a question of, and I think it. I think the more I think about it, the more I've sort of rolled it over in my head, the more I think it does tie into what we're talking about. What do the gods, and I'm talking in specifically religious terms, mm. obviously, what do the gods stand for in the modern day? What do they embody? Yeah. What do they represent for you in the modern day? And it's, I mean, as as an example, in ancient Roman <clears throat> times, the god Mars, mm. Martius, the god of war, would have been revered, said to have been honoured by acts of great prowess in combat, mm. bravery. You know, I I walk into in, into a, a cluster of the enemy and kill them all. That that is a great honour to Mars, mm. and that 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 raises me up in his eyes. Well, See here, Mars, I send you these men. Yes. Mm. Yes, very much like that. Um, but in the modern day, perhaps the ethics there might be slightly different. But Mars now may be said to stand for bravery, mm. for courage, in not only in conflict situations, not only in, in, in battle situations, but in, in any degree of conflict or any, any kind of struggle situation that you find yourself in, any sort of challenge. If you meet it bravely, you meet it with courage, that is an honour to Mars. If you are in battle and you show mercy mm-hmm. to an enemy who is, uh, you know, not in a position to fight back, 
that may be an honour to Mars. So there, therefore, mercy becomes a factor mm. in the God of War. And, you know, you, so you end up with these, these shifting interpretations and, and the God represents that part of human nature and human activity. So mm. it, it, it strikes me that you might be able to do the same as heathens. And I'm, I yeah. say this as a, as a non-heathen, but, you know, understanding that you're with the Roman gods, they translate fairly directly into specific areas of Influence. Influence. Aspects, yes. So you have a god of war, you have a god of love, you have a, you know, a, a god of justice and a god of the sea and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I realise it's, it's not quite as delineated in Norse mythology. No, but... but it might be an interesting thing to sort of look at, you know, what aspects of which gods and goddesses are the most important to you, which ones resonate with you. Mm. You can use that to then start helping helping you to narrow down where you want to start with your own ethics. Yeah. And ethics is ever never ending. Mm. It just carries on and on and on. So if I make a small change in my house, I might end up with a list of 10 things I want to change. Yeah. I get to number 8 and I suddenly realize that as a consequence of doing the first 8, I've now got a couple of other things I want to change yeah. and they tag on the end. Yeah. And I think as a modern heathen for me, it's a constant <clears throat> process of change of trying to live my best heathen life Mm. and what my best heathen life is will probably not match anybody else's own expectations and circumstances of their best heathen life yeah so lovely listeners have a think what does your best heathen life look like we've mentioned some of the areas that might you might find big or small changes in looking at Things like transport, at banking, at clothes, at items, at books, mm. where, you know, what do you choose to do with them? And what do you, how looking at those areas and saying, right, well, my best heathen life, I'd be doing this. Yeah. What are the steps between where you are now and what you want to be doing? Mm. I think it's probably a part of my spiritual development that will just carry on and on and on. It's an endless understanding an endless deepening of connection of faith Mm. until I get to the point where I go oh right and another set of opportunities opens up yeah another set of things goes beyond that for me my faith is not passive Mm. it's not something where I can just type the words I'm a heathen and yay that's it yeah it's in every interaction that I hold I'm trying to be more mindful of what my faith means in certain situations when I go to certain places, when I do certain things. And some of the larger things, you know, do I need to use the car for a journey? Yeah. Can I do it another way? Because then if I choose to do it another way, I honour the earth, I honour Yod, I honour the land spirits by saying, I've made this decision to do things a different way. Yeah. Because I want to honour you. So that discussion, I think, is endless. Yes. Lovely listeners, we're going to leave you pondering that around the embers of the virtual campfire. <laughs> Just kind of sit, sit back, chillax, see where your brains take you. If you want to drop a comment or a question, you're welcome to find me online. My name's Suzanne Martin. I'm on Facebook and I'm also on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. 
And if for any reason you're um, wanting to look for me, you can find my website kind of thing at uh, glassrain.net um, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook as Kate Coldwind. Uh, I will be happy to hear from you. Yeah, come and say hi. Come and spend a bit of time around the other virtual campfires. The great thing about the virtual campfire is that we can move it. It's virtual. <laughs> so <laughs> we can kind of, we can bring it to you for a bit. Or <laughs> you can come and sit around the one that's here. It's all good. Lovely listeners, now that we've prodded your brain, hopefully into a little bit of thinking, we're going to leave you with that and we will talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.